So the first step is hyper-segmenting your audience. You have HubSpot, yes, but how many HubSpot solutions partners are there and how many are actually relevant for this service? And then with a smaller product that's an app like this, you have to make it easy for the agency to get in and run that first better together joint solution rollout. Very, very easy. Welcome to SaaS Connect, the SaaS Partnership Podcast. Brought to you by the Cloud Software Association. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. Welcome back. I'm Sunir Shah, president of the Cloud Software Association, CEO of AppBind, mentor, advisor, father figure to Alex Glenn here. Yeah, uh, Alex Glenn, if you don't know me, I'm the founder of Partner Programs and Partner Hub And yeah, my job is to hopefully make partnerships easier for all of you. So we do a lot of training guidance. We have a product that allows you to find and manage partnerships. Our forte or what we're kind of known for is solutions partners and being a good place to go if you want to understand a difficult persona that is the solution partners. As many partner managers weren't ever an agency owner or an agency operator. So it's it's a difficult shoe to kind of put yourself in from a partner manager, channel leader's perspective. So we try to help with that. All right. So the prompt for everyone who's listening is, what is your number one challenge you have to work on in January in your channel or agency program? Alex, what is the most interesting thing you've learned in Q4 at Partner Hub about agencies and SaaS companies? So Q4 was obviously a challenging quarter for everybody, not just SaaS companies, but a lot of agencies had some challenges as well as you guys get your budgets pulled. So did the agencies. So very hyper-focused, trying to eliminate a lot of the noise, which makes new partnerships a little bit of a challenge, which I think opens up a good discussion for us to have today if nobody wants to talk about their pain points. I mean, I can bring in some of the pain points that we've heard. I think reducing the noise, reducing the clutter, hyper-focusing, trying to build margins into the services they currently sell, not as open to new in Q4, but that's starting to change already where where agencies are starting to kind of come to us with, hey, what else do you have? Which is great. But Q4 was, yeah, it was all about simplifying and reducing and decluttering and focusing. So we have this thing now, agency cocktails which is a go-to-market campaign. So for us as SaaS vendors going after agencies, we buy them drinks. They hang out and talk about their business problems with each other. We get their contact information. It's a good old British Royal Navy game, as we all know. I survey them every time we do this. And this is the first time I've ever seen hiring drop out of the top three. So agencies are not hiring. And actually profitability went to number one. Usually it's getting new clients, but profitability and margins was the number one thing agencies are concerned about. That's the first time it's ever happened. But that's actually a good opportunity for us as SaaS vendors, because when they're looking at profitability and margins and they're looking at technology as opportunities versus clients and hiring and they're looking at people, that is actually maybe a good thing for all of us if we message accordingly. What would I do if I was in your shoes and had the pain points that you guys are chatting? So thanks for the pain points. So not being able to fill pipeline, activating dormant partners. These are generally, I'd say, top five. Treble.ai, you guys are WhatsApp extension for HubSpot. Very cool presentation-wise, you know, everything. You've got a good brand going here. And now partnerships, the way agencies kind of look at this is where do you fit into the services I currently sell? And is this something that 
makes sense for my customers? Meaning, have I heard my customers asking me about a pain point or you know a, a tool for this? That's kind of some of the ways that they come into your funnel. And then they'll go out and they'll Google WhatsApp, HubSpot extensions, or maybe they'll see you in the HubSpot marketplace and they get into your funnel that way. That's marketing, that's sales. It's not typical partnerships. Typical partnerships is an outbound motion. It's a co-marketing, co-selling motion where you have to go to this agency and, and try to plug yourself into whatever they're doing. So the first thing with a smaller app in an ecosystem, HubSpot being the ecosystem, and you have to make this case to the agencies of here's why you are going to want me in your current tech stack. So the first step is hyper-segmenting your audience. You have HubSpot, yes, but how many HubSpot solutions partners are there and how many are actually relevant for this service? And then with a smaller product that's an app like this, you have to make it very, very easy for the agency to get in and run that first better together joint solution rollout. Very, very easy. But then there's the opposite side of the spectrum. I say AB Tasty is an ecosystem almost in itself. It's big enough at this point where probably most of the agencies that need a solution like this are either very familiar with AB Tasty or very familiar with one of their competitors or even partners with one of their competitors. So when you're on this side of the spectrum, and a little bit more of an ecosystem of your own. It's more about making and selling the case for why agencies need to be a part of that ecosystem. Not necessarily about AB Tasty. The tool, you know, you can go through feature parity all day long and try to sell feature parity, but that's not your job as partnership teams. That's the marketing team's job. That's the sales team's job. Your job is to say, okay, well, am I big enough to support a big service on its own, CRO services, hyper XYZ website optimization services that could be six-figure services. Yes, I am. Or no, I'm not. I'm an app that takes 10 minutes to plug in, but it does some really cool things and it fills a hole, which is another channel for my agencies. You kind of have to split yourself and say, am I one of these apps in an ecosystem? Or am I big enough to really kind of almost be an ecosystem in itself? Well, I think there's one thing you said there that I want to pull out that a lot of people don't focus on. The marketing team is already doing a lot of work that you don't have to do in partner land because the agencies consume the same media as customers. So they can evaluate your product and videos and everything that customers would see. And then they want agency-specific information for themselves. And I think... That is something that people don't necessarily cognate, but like, what do you actually need to communicate in the partnership team? And then you can rely on the marketing team to, for the actual product and the product itself to speak. Like Agencies do evaluate you as a customer first. Even though they're not a customer, they will look at the same material. So what is the stuff that a partner team does need to have? Again, two sides of the equation. If you're on treble.ai, you probably have to do a lot of marketing and outbound and sales yourself. You may be one person show, you know, you just maybe you as a partner manager, you have to do a lot of the marketing and sales to this agency audience because your marketing team are blasting out direct to consumer messaging. And maybe your agency audience isn't included in that, or at least the messaging would resonate. And in that world, you have to talk about what the partnership opportunity is and why they should jump into whatever you're doing right now. You don't have a lot to offer because you're a smaller product 
and you're an app in an ecosystem, you're not an ecosystem. So you don't have a lot of levers to pull as far as marketing goes. But what you do have is I have the ability to work very closely with you and to grow together. And that is something the bigger ecosystems and the larger partner teams can't do as much of with most of their agency audience. They don't have that flexibility. So when you're on the other side of the coin, the AB Tasty side of the coin, I think it's important to understand more often than not, your job is with a very select few partners each quarter and being a very good, almost customer success or partner success person, meaning just being there for them. You already have marketing and sales going and doing a lot of good things. AB Tasty is a great product, great brand. A lot of us know who they are. The marketing team's doing a great job. Now that's going to bring in agencies. They're all over app ecosystems. There's going to be a lot of inbound. So it's almost a filtering, figuring out who you're going to go to market with, and then being a very terrific customer success oriented partner team as you go through those motions if you're on that right, far right side of the spectrum. But most of us, I believe, are on the far left where one or two partner managers on the team, you're an app in an ecosystem, Shopify app, HubSpot app, Salesforce app, and your job is not to pitch your product all day long. It's to create magnets for these new solution partners to come in and then being very, very one-to-one and very flexible and making sure that you work with them to get that service provided on their services page to get that done. And there's a whole bunch of different strategies in there to get them to that glory, which is I now set up and sell a service on top of this product, or I bake this into behind the scenes, maybe bake it into a service I already sell. Something we've talked about before is agencies, on one hand, they do evaluate your product as if they're a customer. So they just look at product marketing as a normal customer. So you don't need to double up that work too much. But what's interesting is this fact that you're, like you said, you have to fit into their services. And so when the agency evaluates the partner team, in a way, they're looking at you as if you're an agency, like a subcontractor to them. They want you to be as much like an agency to them as they are to their customer, because that would make it easy for them. And that's maybe a little bit different. Like partner success is a little bit different than customer success in that sense. So can you talk about, we skip over these two things all the time, like, oh, just great service to the agencies. But what does that actually mean? How do people make a plan to improve that this quarter? Because it's actually not that hard, but what is it that they want? It's like, you're just asking, what do you actually want from me? I'll answer that by saying an anecdote that I heard about a notable platform that had a HubSpot integration that they rolled out. They did a big push to HubSpot agencies. A few top HubSpot agencies got in, but they didn't plan well enough what would happen when a referral came to one of our partner managers via email and that wasn't the correct person for that referral to go to. And this agency that complained about and a couple more did, they got into this scenario where they were almost embarrassed to send a referral because of what happened to the referral, their client. So I think a couple of things to know there is like, you're going to be more focused on getting these partners to come into your calendar and to come into your funnel. But if you didn't plan to say, well, what is the process? What's the operating procedure for a deal? And what happens when a deal comes to us that is coming through the wrong person, through the wrong pipe? What do we do? What's the procedure there? So we can make sure you're keeping your partner in the middle is the main thing, takeaway there. They need you to help then build a business. They need you to put them in your marketing and to make them 
famous, what we say, but put them in front of your audience. They need that. But at the end of the day, what is like table stakes or bare minimum is you have to make sure that they look good and continue to look good to the clients that you have mutual business with, right? So if I send you my client, it may just be a $20 a month user for you or $100 a month or whatever your monthly fee is. But to me, that could be a six-figure client that's been in my book of business for a few years, or maybe a brand new client that I'm trying to currently sell a six-figure project for. And that is big for me. So just understand that is a very important and sensitive scenario. You have to get that right. And getting it right means the main thing is making sure your partner is in the loop. And then when that client has any issues, you're bringing the partner back into that. Don't feel like you're going to annoy your partner. Make sure that they understand that they have to continue being the crux of the relationship and you're not trying to take the business out of that relationship. So keep them in the loop, bring them back in, communicate effectively there. That's one of the main things for partner success, I would say. And then we can talk about top of funnel, how to bring them in with different magnets and levers. You did mention that most of the partnership is outbound, which is something we talk about because there's also inbound and also passive opportunities as well. Let's talk about the outbound strategy. What can you do to outbound to partners besides using PartnerHub to find your concierge list? One of the things that always comes up is commissions. Do they matter? Yes or no? AppBind is an expense management tool for the tech stack for the agency. So we know that there's no way, it's, it's just absolutely bizarre if the expenses of the tech stack or more than 20% of the overall contract value to the agency. That means something's got out of control, unless it's a media spend. Okay. But so they make money from services. You're nothing to them. Your commissions, therefore, are like a percentage of a small percentage, right? So it's nice. It's necessary because it helps pay for their investment, but they want to see co-marketing and leads. And that's really important to have that. Even if you don't have it right now, even if you do something to promote them or build up their credibility. Yeah. No, I love it. And this is Galena's agency partner page. So these are your core partners. You probably have more, Galena, I'm sure. If we're looking at these, these are, it looks like mid-market, enterprise-focused. Some of these are six-figure products, minimum. Pretty much all of these require a very detailed solution involved in the setup and implementation, an implementation partner, a solutions partner. And many times that solution partner builds most of the contracts around the products, and that's how they start their business. Someone would Google Domo Solution Partners. They're already a Domo user. Maybe maybe some of Galena's clients are from HubSpot and they need more detailed BI dashboard analytics and they roll up into Domo or need something on the front end. In this world, the commissions are large. And I like that you still mentioned, Galena, that it's definitely a, not a revenue share focused relationship, even though I'm sure you make a pretty decent amount of rev share from all of these guys. But if I'm looking at this and I'm looking at your agency size, 210 employees, I'm thinking you're probably in the 30 million, 25, 30 million dollar a year range. And commissions are probably a drop in the bucket. Further, Galena, I think this is important for just understanding the persona. You are a partnerships and BD person. So while you have a revenue number, you don't get the commissions yourself. Those commissions may go to company events. They may go to sponsorship stuff. They may just go to a line item. 
that no one really cares about or looks at, maybe. But the important thing to understand is at your size of an agency where you're the one dealing with the first, at least the first few months of the partnership, few weeks at least, they need to understand that you're needing to sell internally why this partnership is going to bring new business to your agency. You're not trying to sell, oh man, if we did 50 deals with this partner, that could be 250 grand a year in commissions. That's not the sale. I think that's important to understand. Then it comes down to, okay, well, how do we make money together story? How do we fit into your technology stack and how do we bring you business? The levers that all of us can pull, every one of us, it doesn't matter how big you are, are, hey, we're going to market, meaning I'm going to put out content, I'm going to target leads, I'm going to have all sorts of PR going on focused on HubSpot users as I go to market. And I need to have someone in my wake, an agency, a solutions partner to point to when one of those customers says, yeah, but I have a detailed migration and I need help with that, or I need an implementation and I need an expert, I need to be able to point to that. So when you're going to market, you say, okay, well, what is the next big thing for my tech company? So if I'm one of these tech companies, what's the next big thing? The next big thing could be a big push into Latin America. It could be a big push into Salesforce because you have an integration coming out. It could be a big PR event. Then you say to marketing, okay, well, what do we have being published and produced events? Maybe a micro podcast, maybe a lot of content and articles, maybe a white paper. What do we have? You build your list of all the ammunition that you have. And then you say, okay, well, let me build a list of specific partners that are already in market in those markets and need more business in those markets. And then I take all that ammunition back to those partners and I say, hey, I'm three months out from a go-to-market into this ecosystem. You're already there. looks like you're doing well. Well, I'm going to have a bunch of inbound coming into our funnel and we need a short list of partners to be able to, A, this is what we are going to be able to do, meaning content on the keywords that you're doing. And we also need a short list of experts that can be trained up on the implementation so that when we have that inbound, we can point to you and say, this is one of the partners that can do it for you. And yes, they're promises, but at the end of the day, you're at least giving them some foresight and a carrot to say, if you join me on this, this trip in the market, you're going to at least be on a short list of people that are going to get the benefit. And by the way, right now, just to make this worth your time right now, I'll go ahead and do an expert feature spotlight on our blog, get you a do follow back link, get you some thought leadership content just for taking the time and exploring this relationship. Let's do a lunch and learn next week to see if your team's on board. And then we'll decide from there whether or not it's a fit and continue that sort of wheel of a relationship. And then if you're bigger, if you do have the AB Tasty, maybe you have a directory, you do have a lot of inbound. From there, it's really making the case that you are a better product and a better implementation to that ecosystem. And you have a whole lot of inbound and demand already. And you have a directory of partners that are already getting that inbound. And if they go through a few certification steps, they start being a part of that referral system that you've got already set up. So two different sides, but I think most people are in that first side where you kind of have to create the go-to-market, pick a list of 
specific partner types, build that list of ammunition that you have to offer, and then go one at a time until you have your 20 or so partners that you're going to go to market with. It actually leads to a question Brendan Lawrence has, or his challenge was activating dormant partners. And the way I express it internally to my teams is you want to always have a train leaving the station. You mentioned some events, PR events, launches, something is happening and you need to get on the train or get off. And that's usually a good way to motivate partners. You know, if you had a list of 100 partners you've had over history and you want to reactivate them, what kind of events would you brainstorm that could help go back to the dormant list and get them moving again? Yeah, the dormant list. So yeah, you you had partners that came in and out of your funnel. You may have had a couple calls, maybe you did a lunch and learn and they've just been quiet. I stress that, yes, like Cindy was saying, you have to have something else to talk about besides the program and your product. If you keep coming back into their email or into their chat or Slack or whatever with oh, the partner program and all our product and feature and integration and this and this, that is typically where you kind of get chalked up to, you kind of get friend zone when you're in a relationship with a partner, salesperson zoned essentially with a partner. So Galena, you're in this now. I mean, if I come to you with, hey, Galena, we're this great product and we integrate with HubSpot and we've got all these G2 crowd reviews and you know we pay 15% commission on all the deals, you hopefully forget about that email at least until something you know actionable came about. But if I came to you with, hey, Galena, we have a, an event coming up and I'm looking for panel members and, and your partnerships leader, and you've got a great experience in mid-market B2B SaaS, and that's going to be the target audience. And uh, you seem quick wit, you seem like a good public speaker. Is this something you're open to doing? You'd at least return that email with a yes or a no or a maybe, and let's get on a call to figure it out. So leading at least with what is it that I want to do with you that's ephemeral, meaning it's expiring. So that encourages it. Okay. So then back to Senior's question about reinvigorating dormant partners. So go back into your dormant partner list, hyper segment them into at least a few buckets that you have something for. And that something for each bucket is like, okay, maybe bucket one is Latin America, B2B HubSpot solutions partners, and you're an app for HubSpot or something like that. Bucket two, maybe an EMEA thing. And bucket three, maybe, I don't know, some other segment of that segment, mid-market versus SMB, if that's something that you can do. Be very creative, get with marketing and say, hey, I'm trying to reinvigorate a list of 100 dormant B2B HubSpot solutions partners that are in the Americas or in Spanish-speaking countries, something like that. And then put it back on your marketing team to help you with the creative energy because that is the tough part. You have to come up with something that is very specific to their audience that would be clearly valuable to them. And you have to remember like the reason we just harp on co-marketing all the time is because agencies have to have thought leadership in order to remain a valuable agency, or at least remain an agency that's seen as a thought leadership in their space. So if you come to an agency that has HubSpot implementations as a primary service or Shopify development, come to them with, hey, I've got something that's going to put you in front of a lot of Shopify stores and it's thought leadership and it's showing off your expertise. If that person's not the right person, they have to at least forward that email. They have an obligation to make sure that their agency at least 
considers it. And if they say no, maybe they already have an obligation. Maybe someone else on your team already reached out, but that's the point. So back to the dormant list, segment it, pick out something that's very specific to each one of the segment lists. Don't have something general for all of them. Really hype it up, make it something that's, hey, we're going to put some PR, put some syndication and put some real creative energy into this. And we picked you out because of your expertise in blank. Don't make it very general. Don't say, hey, we're doing this thing. And you know, if you're interested, fill out this form. No, make it super actionable, put a date on it, and then go back to that list. And then you've got them involved in the content. Now it's a, okay, well, how do you get them back in the partnership mindset? And then it's a matter of, okay, well, starting the conversation off with where were we at and what has changed and really asking the right questions and getting involved in what it is their agency is really focused on right now. And then you have to put a partner track in front of them to say, okay, well, here's where we're at today. Here's what you've already done. Here's what you told me you are focused on and need to get done in the next quarter. Here's how we can help. And here are some of the things I'll get done for you if you promise to get these things done for me. And I hear oftentimes from the solutions partners, it's like when you have a call with someone, they feel like they've got something for you right now because I have my client book a business in mind when you're telling me what your product does. And they'll say something, which gets everybody excited. It's like, oh, I think I have a client for you. But you got to remember, as soon as they hang up that phone, they've got five other clients that have fires to put out. They've got employees that are leaving. They've got to fill gaps in their team. They've got other things that are super important that they have to get done before they even think about that partnership. So if you email them two weeks later and say, what about that client? They're not even going to remember what you meant or what you're talking about, what you're referring to. So keep them on a track. Don't make it about the product. Don't make it about one specific referral. You're after all of their clients, not one. Continue on the track. This is what we're doing next. This is what we're doing next. I'm going to feed you all this stuff to make sure you stay on the track and make it worth your while. But this is where we're going. Let's not lose sight of where we're at, right? And then keep that progressive stuff go. Don't just chime in their inbox with, hey, remember me and leave it at that. You got to have that intentional track. I think, I mean, you threw it out there as a joke, but it's true. The friend zone. I mean, that's, it's dating. Everything to me is dating and partnerships. And I think the analogy of you going out there like at a nightclub demanding something for yourself, <laughs> so you're not going to get very far. You know, finally, I mean, we have an agency cocktails thing, right? So what we end up, we do talk about is the, like, I just asked them about their business and how they manage their business and margins. And then suddenly then you have the opportunity to fit yourself into their world because you don't have enough information to even pitch them until you get interested in their own lives. The most attractive thing you could be offer is interest, right? That's outbound. Now, if you're building an interest machine, which you could be, let's talk about inbound as well. And then there's finally also the passive or shadow as well. So let's talk about inbound next. Because that's that. if you're doing successfully, like your A-B Tasty, you're building inbound community. What does that look like? And what could people look to build in order to build an inbound partner? The problem most of the partnership teams have is the product isn't kind of, you have to hope this is ideal where the product and the partnership team are all kind of at the same level, if you will. But if we're all honest, you know, out of a hundred SaaS per category, there's probably only five that are really going to be attractive to partners. Like we see the same like ideal tech stack and e-commerce pop up all the time and B2B pop up all the time. You see the same brands in there. So, you know, building an inbound, it's really a situation, be honest with yourself about 
whether or not your product is meeting the needs of the market to the point where they can drum up an inbound. And that's less about marketing, less about sales. It's really like, is the product team coming with something that agencies want? So when you're trying to win an end customer, you can rely on marketing and sales to get that done. When you're trying to win a partner, especially good partners, savvy solutions, implementations, referral partners, they are six months ahead of your marketing team or six months ahead of your sales, even your product team. They know what's coming. They're very savvy. So, you know, they can make a judgment call in about 30 seconds by reviewing something that your marketing team or your partner team has posted or sent them or something as soon as they get it. So when I tell teams, it's like you see those really awesome partner programs have all this inbound going on, nine times out of 10 is the product doing the work. So just be, I'd say 99% of the time, not nine out of 10, it's the product bringing in that inbound. Then it's the partnership team's job just to keep things going on, meaning have stuff to include partners in, being creative. You see all these co-marketing opportunities pop up from the really creative partnership teams. Marketing is involved in that. Or oftentimes they have a partner marketing manager with a marketing background and they're coming up with new stuff all the time. So if you are one of the products, one of the nine out of 10 products that probably isn't a category leader and probably isn't generating that inbound, you got to be very creative. You got to be able to win the partnership based on success and the opportunities that you can drum up for them. And you got to be very one-to-one and not think of it like a funnel system that you can just open up. And if you have all the things that the other guy has, it'll just create a bunch of inbound. So I'd say, Sunir, the hardest thing for me to tell people is, you know, if you do not have inbound, your product isn't ready for it, isn't there yet. Basically, I mean, they're exposed to the same marketing customers, right? And it is possible to do it. No, it's impossible. I mean, there's plenty of examples. Reality is they're not going to introduce anything to their clients that they don't trust. So the product has to be at some level of completion that they can feel good about it. And they got to look at the product because it has to solve a problem. Then the partner team's job is to provide all of this agency services to the agency. Yeah. So if we talk about the persona, you think about it like this. Agencies aren't out there looking for tools on marketplaces and G2 crowd. They're not out there shopping to fill a hole in their tech stack usually. Where they get their information is from their Slack groups, from their communities, from their friends, and from their clients. The client will come to them. So you have to rely on the marketing team to get the client to ask the agency about the product. Where you come in is finding out which customers of your product have an agency contact, either they're buying a service from an agency or they're working in some way. And that rely you rely on your sales team to put those actual fields in your CRM, actually document which clients or customers, sorry, users have an agency contact and how they're working with them. I just think it's very important. Like if you are not the one out of 10 that has that category leading product that's creating that inbound, you got to be very, very creative very, very one-to-one. You can't expect to create a funnel for yourself. You have to go after specific agencies with a specific value proposition that will hit their customer persona and something that they can't say no to. What about your tech partners? If you're like a new product in an ecosystem of tech, they have channel partners. So what can you do 
to work with their channel programs to inbound from their channel programs, tech partner, tech partner. There's a little bit more of a malleable sort of strategy where I can go to a tech partner and I may not be you know, the best integration partner with the biggest list, but I may have some other levers to pull and I can incentivize them to bring me into the market with them. Now, what level of bringing you into the market? It starts with, hey, you know, I'll show up next to you in some co-marketing. Most people will say yes to that as long as your brand isn't totally tarnished. Then there's, okay, well, we'll combine market development funds and go after a specific audience together. And then it's below that, it's I'll bring you on the sales calls with me. And then below that, it's I'll involve product. We'll get a an integration done and then we'll go back to the top and do all that stuff out of mutual benefit because the integration is here and we have to. But you know, again, if you're not that category leader, if you don't have a big audience, you kind of have to rely on a little bit of budget, a little bit of audience. You have to do most of the work too. So I can't come to someone like Sunir and say, Sunir, put all this work in, create an event for my community and create the assets and we'll just both promote it to each other's lists. And he'd say, no, you'd say, no. For me, I would say yes, because I'm a lunatic, but yes, normal, so, people. normal people wouldn't do that. Yes. The 90%, you know, you do have to come with the work already done. So you come to the integration part or even the agency, you say, I've already got this done. I've already got this baked. I just need you to come in here. And you're guilty by association with those go to markets. But when you want to put yourself into those tech stacks, you know, you have to pick out very key specific agencies that have a hole in that tech stack and you have to figure out where the hole is. And then you have to figure out what technology is around the hole that you have some level of relationship with, either an integration, a friend that works there, some in, and then put together a very strategic go-to-market and how you're going to work with each one of those, we call them circles, right? So at bind plus this, plus an agency over here, plus another integration forms a circle around a specific target audience. And my job is to get everyone together in something or a bunch of things really, and then push that messaging of us all together towards that audience, it comes back to you to kind of figure out, do I have stuff to bring to the table with each one of these, you know, dots on the circle, call them? And then what's at the center of the circle? You know, why does that exist? What's the purpose? And then you have to go back to your teams and say, hey, what can you help me with to make sure I'm getting into that circle and bring your product into that circle? Because we're all going to win and build again, that ammunition go one-to-one, put the pieces together. And then when you have the verbal, when you have the commitment, when you have the logo next to logo on whatever it is, event, co-marketing, even just you're doing a cocktail hour or something like that, hammer that, get it to marketing, get it in all of your stuff, come up with custom images with your partner's face, not the logo too. This is a good strategy. If you want your partner to market the asset, put Sunir's face right on the front there. Don't put Atbine's logo and leave Sunir out and maybe put his name somewhere. Put his face right there. People are much more likely to share it and promote it if it's them being the part of it, not their company behind them. Yeah, very account-based marketing, very creative. Pick out a center of the circle, pick out tech and solutions partners. Just know like the solution partner could be in the focus audience, but there's certain solution partners that you may not get to implement your product, but they are thought leaders in the space. Solutions partners follow and do whatever a top solution partner does more than they'll do whatever a top you know, Shopify website or a top 
HubSpot customer would do. They follow these people. So get those people in your circle along with the integration partners and go to market, meaning promote to that specific list, not an audience on Facebook. We're talking about 100 partners that you want to know about what this circle is doing together and get a little bit of FOMO. And then you go back one-to-one to each one of that those lists of those, those accounts that you have in your circle. And by that time, if you've done your job right, they've seen you next to somebody else and they're interested. And you still have to have the, hey, this is what we're doing. I want to include you in stuff. But at least they've seen you next to one of those circle partners. And that makes them want to return the email at least and get on call. One of these things with the service channel is I find it's like a laddering. You know, once you have customers, then you can bring on some agencies to serve those customers. Once you have tech partners, their service companies need to service your stuff. That's an opportunity. And the more you build on one side, the more the service channel, you know, because it's between you and the market can grow along with you. And it's actually a really simple way to, to figure out when and how to approach them. You have to answer the fundamental question in partnerships. Why does the customer need that partner to move through your pipeline or through the life cycle with your product. And if you can answer that question in a way that creates, they can create value and create business returns for themselves, then it becomes easy. So if you did a Salesforce integration, you go to Salesforce implementation partners and say, well, we have customers who need Salesforce help. Can we talk, talk to you about it? And then the last thing is we touched on it is like looking at the agency, looking at the accounts that have agencies in them or asking the sales people. So this is the shadow. The shadow channel, for those who don't know, is all the partners because they sell time for a living. They just don't want to talk to you because it's you just going to waste their time. They just want to serve the client, but they're already using the product. They're already engaged with clients around your product. They're just not engaged with you yet, which to be honest is fine. I mean, they close the account. So money is one, but if you engage with them in a positive way, you might get another client from them. And that is... First, you should attribute it so you know what's happening. And then second, see if you can get more from them. So what are some strategies to identify these partners that you could recommend to find? Like to find Because you mentioned a few, but probably some more tactics. We get all this from our customers, clients, users, but we obviously don't have a giant sales force in the sense that we're actively pulling customers and matching them with partners. So just caveat, you know, that this isn't a shadow channel thing that I do, but we do other stuff in different ways that could be relevant. I'll think about that. But the ones that I've heard that work really well are related to incentivizing salespeople to add the partner to the customer record in CRM while they're on call. So CS and salespeople, you can run spiffs. We have this thing called growth games where you kind of create a end of month incentive and you get all the teams rallied around it and you give out points for different activities that related to partnerships. So a good example is sharing one of the partner managers LinkedIn posts would be like one point. Adding a solutions partner name and contact to a user's CRM profile and notifying the partner manager or partner team would be like five points or 10 points or something like that. And then you have a $500 first place reward and a $300 second place reward at the end of the month or the end of the quarter. The whole idea is partnership teams feel siloed and oftentimes they are, but you need ways to get other teams involved in partnerships. So that's less about the shadow channel, more about just getting your team involved. But the shadow channel is, you know, you have to get your team to uncover the shadow channel almost for you. Many partner teams don't even have access to the CRM or don't have the ability to run a detailed report on the CRM, which is like 
That's tragic, but that's true. That's that's where many partner managers are. So you have to knock on the salesperson's door and say, listen, I'm really trying to figure out how many of our user accounts have two different or three different domains as admins, meaning I may be an admin of Sanir's AppBind account. He may be an admin of my Partner Hub account. It's under Partner Hub, but there's the Sanir at AppBind.com person. Who's that? And is that person a solutions partner? Are they an IT person? Are they, who are they? So uncovering that data, and that is a very, could be a big SQL query. It could be a CRM export, but you want to know who are administrators of all of our user accounts. And then you have to go and match (laughs) and do all that. So there's some digging and there's some research involved. As I built this shadow channel calculator. So it would just, you just dump all the email domains in every account and it will tell you what a potential agency is. And then I also have now a list of 300,000 agency domains. I got one real quick from Galinas. He goes, it's, you know, it's hard to get salespeople involved and on deep level. Very true. One of the things that our friends at Hawk Media do is a tech partner will come to Hawk Media and say, hey, we got 5% or 10% commission and you've done these many deals and this is what we owe you. And the team at Hawk will actually have the tech partners say, no, we don't want that commission. We don't even want to track. We want to deal with it. What we want you to do with that is send our salespeople that are involved in these deals cash, send them Venmo payments, send them PayPal payments, send them checks, You know, pay them out. And then the salespeople are like, well, I made 500 bucks last month from the partnership team or from our partners that are, you know, and I, they were obviously referred by the partnership team. And then they get more involved and then they feel obligated almost to a point or at least obliged. Hopefully they're, you know, like they owe you some reciprocity there. So yes, it's hard to get salespeople involved, but rely on your partners and rely on market development funds as well. Some people I've heard some channel leaders will spiff out their salespeople using market development budgets. So go a quarter and you don't have to do this all year, but the growth games I like because you can do it for a month or a quarter and then not do it again for a few months or the rest of the year. But the practice of following the partner team because I need points to share their content and the habit of asking the customer on the call if they have a partner or an agency or solutions partner involved stays. They don't stop that. So even though they're not continuing to get rewarded for it forever, the practice of it is what you've kind of gotten them to do. Another weird one that I've heard, but it maybe it seems effective is you can also give discovery commissions to the sales team. So they find a partner and that partner enters a partner program. You give them every time they're bringing a new customer, you give them something so that these salespeople build like a pyramid. So they're more incentivized to build actually more channel partners because they become more passive income for the salespeople. And that works when you have a very large inbound channel. And some of the hard part there I've heard is you'll go to the salespeople to do this kind of stuff, but the VP of sales will say, what are you doing? You're taking attention away from what they're trying to get done to hit our team's goals, get out of here, right? So I think you you kind of have to be careful with how deep of levels do they have to get through to get you what you need. So I like the idea of you know a very quick, you're already doing this, add this to that. And I'm going to incentivize you just for doing that. I'm not going to track that person through multiple levels of the partner program. And once they get to the end, I'm going to go back and tell you that you got this. By that time, you forgot about it anyways. So make the spiffs and the incentives very instant, very easy to get. And if it's super easy, you know, add it to a 
consolidated like growth games type event or just make the spiff smaller, but no one's going to be happy for a $20 Starbucks gift card. Don't do that. That's a good point. You got, you got to be nice with VP sales because they, it's their team you're, you're messing with. So 2023, what's up with Partner Hub? What are you guys doing? We got version two rolling out. Partner Hub framework, lots of assistance going to market with partners inside the product. A dark mode, which people are pretty, pretty stoked about because our app is so damn bright. And yeah, we've got a free version that you can get into, you can apply to, but the deal with Partner Hub that is hard for me to articulate to a lot of people is it's not a PRM. You don't just buy a license from us and go about your merry way. You really have to be included in the ecosystem and you have to be a part of our community. You get in for free as a reward and you do get active partners weekly, but you have to have a great product. You got to have a partner opportunity that's valuable for our users. And then we'll let you in. And what we've been doing is if you get invited by a solutions partner that's already in, you're at the top of the list. And if you don't, we have to really vet you and figure out if it fills a hole and if you're going to bring something to the table. And in that world, if those answers are yes, then we'll invite you in. So how do people find you? App.partnerhub.app. We'll get you an application link. Yeah. So we're all in the cloudsoftwareassociation.com Slack. Just join from the homepage, cloudsoftwareassociation.com. It's free. We hang out, we talk partnerships all the time for those who are just coming in cold. And Alex, thank you so much for doing this again, my old friend. Take care, guys. Thank you very much, Sneer. If you like this and want more great insights on software partnerships, you've got to rate, like, and subscribe. And join us at thecloudsoftwareassociation.com. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. We'll see you on the next episode.